All right, ladies and gentlemen, Corey here. Uh, I'm without my friend Brian today. We are uh, wrestling through some COVID issues, so I am here at home. So sorry if the uh, the sound quality is not quite what you've uh, what we usually have. Uh, but I am joined today with my friend John King. Um, John, welcome. Good to be with you, Corey. Appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, John, I don't know if you remember. I um, I bugged you. Let's see. I think it was 2015. I know this timeline because it was when I first started jumping into some jail uh, focused disciple making movement kind of strategic stuff. And I was asking people, it's like, there have got to be people who have done this. Right. And uh, so I think Roy Moran is the one who originally connected me to you via email. I don't know if you remember any of that, but I think that was like six or seven years ago. Uh, I didn't think to check my old email. That's uh, I almost never discard an email of any substance and find that uh, Gmail search is my best friend. And I didn't think to check to see if we had had direct interactions previously, but uh, I'll have to do that after we finish up. Yeah, no, it's all good. Well, uh, I'm not lying, um, but you could, you definitely should yeah, take a look <laughs> at all that. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so I've known um, you and some of your, I think you sent me some stuff way back in the day with some things that you had done in jail. And, and so that started actually a pretty wild journey for me over the next few years of seeing some really significant stuff happening in some of our local jails. And then it spilled out and I actually was just on sabbatical for the last couple of months and came back and found out that um, some of our micro churches on the outside have, I, mean, I think multiplied two or three times since Great. being gone. So I think we're at six or seven micro churches with that network on the outside. Uh, so it's been really fun to, to, to see that kind of take off and some of the, some of the DNA that's been present and uh, in, in some of the things that we started in jail, but you know, it's actually, that's not why, that's not why I have you today. Uh, <laughs> the reason why we have John on the podcast today, is because he's been really present in a lot of um, relationships and in catalytic ways in throughout Africa. And uh, in fact, probably there are lots of people listening to this podcast who have seen some of the training videos that uh, his ministry has been a part of creating, uh, interviewing a bunch of the key catalytic leaders uh, up and down Africa, where we just spent a couple weeks. So this is consider this episode almost like an introduction to the introduction of a series on uh, Africa. So a team of us went to Kenya, got to partner with um, Isla Tassi and some of his teams on the ground out there. And we took a bunch of students, like college students, we just got to be trained uh, on the ground with Isla. And, and really, we got to engage in a lot of uh, unengaged or not unengaged unreached people groups or recently reached people groups that the the team on the ground there so it was a really significant experience so next week you guys are going to hear from uh cory McIlvain, myself and tim garrett who are on the ground there as kind of an introduction of just like hey this is this is what we got to experience and then the next few weeks you'll hear testimonies from church planners on the ground so kenyans through uh, some of it's through translators and some of it's uh, personal testimony is just some pretty wild stuff that they're seeing out there. But today we figured, man, this is great to, to hear John and kind of uh, his perspective and tell some stories of what God is doing globally. But before all that, John, can you um, give us a little bit of history? Who are you? How did you begin to get into disciple making movement type of stuff? Um, I've lived most of my life in Tennessee. I was in Maryland about seven years while I was working on a, master's program 
went into pastoral ministry right out of Bible college and uh, pastored with three different churches, a total of 31 years. The last church, it was uh, approximately 20 years there. And uh, one of the members invited, <clears throat> he and his wife invited my wife, Deborah, and I to sit with them at a fundraising dinner. I tried every way in the world to think of a good excuse to say no. I'm strongly introverted and going and spending an evening with 200 people that I don't know and they're going to be asking for my money was not my idea of, of fun. Totally. But we love this couple. Uh, my wife taught two, three and four year olds for, I don't know, 20 plus years. And their son, second son, was in her class. And so I thankfully, I, I, on this side of it, I couldn't come up with a good excuse to say no. We went, I uh, heard Jerry Trousdale speak for the first time, mm. uh, but even more impactful, heard David Watson tell stories fresh out of India, wow. the northern India work among the Bhojpuri. And then Jerry took the stage and <clears throat> said they were going to take a group to Sierra Leone in West Africa the next year and were extending an invitation to anybody that felt called by God to go. And surprisingly for me, God put a heavy burden on my heart to be a part of that trip. Mm. And I ended up going, uh, 2003 was the fundraising dinner. I went 2004. Civil War had just ended there. Uh, mm. Some parts of that are sort of memorialized in the, the movie Blood Diamond because yeah. the diamond trade was a, a significant part of that Civil War huh. and uh, fell in love with the people, uh, came back with this overwhelming conviction of they're doing so much with so little and we're doing so little with so much. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that was the uh, dissatisfaction that God planted in my heart. Uh, David Watson did the first training toward DMM the following spring. And while he was there, did some kind of an assessment of their simple inductive Bible study skills and felt like they were particularly weak. So told Shadanke Johnson, the leader of the network of churches that were primarily present, and Jerry Trousdale, uh, Jerry and Shadanke, really good friends, um, told them they needed to bring someone in to do some training on simple inductive Bible studies. Mm. And when Jerry and Shadanke talked about it, prayed about it, they wanted me and a Bible translator who was working among the Susa people, uh, a large, unreached, unengaged Muslim people group in northern Sierra Leone and southern Guinea, wanted this Bible translator and me to work together. Mm. Um, I tried my best Moses invitation to get out of the invitation. Uh, <laughs> tried to clinch the argument with, you know, I wasn't there at the training. All I know about movements is what I heard David say at this fundraising dinner. And uh, 
the way from, from the one principle that came through loud and clear is whatever you do, it has to be easily replicated by the people that you're doing it among. Yeah. And the way I was trained to study the Bible wasn't easily replicated here in Tennessee, let alone in African villages. Hmm. Uh, and besides that, I wasn't at this training that David did. Well, Jerry reached into his pocket. He pulled out a CD and he said, John, here's a recording of the sessions that David did in Sierra Leone. You're a smart guy. You can listen to this and you can figure it out. Wow. So I said, I'll pray about it, but I won't commit to going. But once I listened to it, I was really captured by the principles of, of movements that David shared. There were 10 critical elements mm. that he emphasized in the training and uh, still was struggling with the way I was trained to study the Bible, wasn't going to be easily replicated, uh, but felt a call to go back and do that training and uh, went the following year, 2005, and did some training, three days of pretty intensive training. Uh, went back the next year, 2006, and it was obvious. Uh, they had taken the training that I had done, uh, adapted it for their culture, a better fit, and they were training anywhere and everywhere. They didn't need me coming back to train them mm -hmm. in that anymore. And already uh, we were starting to hear some incredible stories of breakthrough and transformation, wow. persons of peace being found and whole villages coming to faith. Uh, it, it was just wow. mind blowing, the, wow. the, good, the good news that we were hearing. And so I was still in full-time pastoral ministry at, at that point. Uh, but in January of 2006, Jerry got me an invitation to a two-week training that David Watson was doing in California with the organization they were both working with at that point, City Team. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to that, and that was really the first time I'd heard David's training in person. I practically <laughs> memorized the 10 hours from that CD. Yeah. Um, and it was just incredible. And at some point in that, David was up on a stage area, and there were, uh, I don't know, 35 or 40 of us out around tables. And he just stopped and he said, John, God's going to call you to leave pastoral ministry and to start writing curriculum for movements. And as a strong introvert, I can have a lot of full blown conversations in my head that thankfully they, they don't get out quite as easily as they do with some of my extroverted friends. But my immediate thought is you are crazy. I have no training in curriculum development. Why in the world would you say that? Well, Shadanke was sitting next to me immediately to my right. And almost as quickly as those thoughts popped in my head, he leaned over and said, yes, my brother, that is what we need from you. And that checked me. And then there's a, a passage, I don't remember now the scripture reference, that popped in my head 
just immediately at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be made sure. Wow. And I'm like, I, I could easily reject David because I didn't know him that well. I really didn't know him at all personally. Uh, but I couldn't reject Shadake because uh, he'd grown, I'd grown to really love and, and respect him highly uh, in just a couple of, of short years. And then that verse coming to my mind, it's like, you know, this may be the spirit of God, not just a crazy idea from a guy on a stage. And so that planted the seed of, of the idea of possibly transitioning out of pastoral ministry uh, to begin involved, being involved directly in trying to catalyze movements. Um, Around the same time, God brought a guy to the congregation where I was pastoring who'd been in trouble with the law multiple times, and he was going to have to go back into jail. He was out on an early release program, violated the terms of his probation, and so he was going to have to go back in. Well, his home church w- was so fed up with him that he was concerned they wouldn't take care of his wife and, and three boys. Mm. And so he visited our church, felt like there was a, a love and a care that maybe we would be a good place for his wife and children. And uh, they started coming. We formed a relationship. He had to when he had to report back to the court was put back in jail and i started visiting with him there and that gave me a laboratory to begin to implement the things that i was learning from david and shadanke and others here in the local jail and so that's the reason you mentioned earlier uh, the, the connection where because you were involved in jail ministry, looking for somebody reached out. Uh, but that was my place for hands on practical implementation yeah. of some of those key things. And I think for anybody who wants to try to move toward multiplying movement, a multi-generational you have to identify a a location, a neighborhood, a people group, a, a place somewhere that you actually start trying to practice it. Uh, the concepts are fascinating. You can spend a lot of time reading and studying now. There, there weren't many resources back right. in that time period. Right. But it's really only as you begin to implement that you can wrap your brain around key principles. That's right. Uh, that's that's a critical thing. And then what you guys have just done is the other thing that I would highly recommend is going to places. Mm. <clears throat> excuse me. Where movements are happening, because some of the things that you've been hearing, the stories that you've been wondering about, uh, God will answer a lot of those questions through that experience. And so practical implementation, going where things are further along and seeing it and asking questions and hearing the testimonies, those are two critical pieces to 
to doing more than having a concept right. of multiplication. No, that's so good. Yeah. It's, our heart going over to, to Kenya was to, to learn, which is such <clears throat> a different posture than most quote unquote missions trips in general from the West. But it, there is, it is hard to put in words the, when you are sitting amongst movement, um, where all the people surrounding you were once, uh, I mean, it was a handful of, you'll hear a couple testimonies, listeners, uh, to, of, of people who were literally, you know, they were terrorists. They were there to kill, there were Muslim terrorists there to kill Christians. Yes. And now they're part of the church planning teams to reach the same people groups that they had come from. And so, I mean, there's something about that when you're surrounded by even like, so it's not my first time that I've been overseas I've been a handful of times with this. And it's still every time it's just like, wow. And it becomes um, an encouragement, even though there's, there's, there's things to translate, right? No doubt. Yes, like it's, di- it's different there than Kansas city, but the principles are the same. <clears throat> and, you know, from top to bottom, the principles are the same. The implementation, you know, varies, but the principles are the same. Um, and so I, I don't know if I realized, uh, again, we've, I don't know how many, we've had maybe a one or two conversations before, um, uh, but I, that you were basically around since 2005 in the, in some of the African stories. And so like, cause time frame wise, help me understand this. Cause I, I, I've been studying it for a while, but we're tracking, you know, movements, late nineties, early two thousands in India and Asia. Right. And then, so those guys, David Watson and such training a bunch of the Africans that we've mentioned here. Um, and so maybe like even just help us understand kind of what, what that looked like for the next few years, what were some of the things that African leaders, what was their stories? What did God begin to do? All that stuff. There were two streams that, coalesce through city teams connections uh, I, for the last 10 years I've been employed by Final Command Ministries a small nonprofit that Jerry Trousdale founded uh, he and Claude King who co-authored Experience at God 30 years ago with Henry Blackaby uh, two guys that live here in Murfreesboro Shadanke Johnson from Sierra Leone and Yunusa Jow from Ivory Coast. The four of them began to be burdened by God to see the, I think it was 19 largest unreached, unengaged Muslim people groups in Africa, uh, in West Africa, that both Shadanke and Yunusa from West Africa. Uh, so God planted this idea, this burden in the hearts of those four men. And Jerry's home church was hosting perspectives on the world Christian movement, an excellent missions course. And David Watson came in and taught as a guest instructor lesson 13 on the spontaneous multiplication of churches. And what he mostly did was tell stories of the multiplication that was happening in northern India. Well, either the week before or the week after, he was teaching that same lesson in a perspectives class in Oklahoma, did the same kind of thing. And one of City Team's vice presidents was there. And City Team was a drug and alcohol recovery ministry for about 40 years, 35, 40 years at that point. And they were graduating these guys who come to faith, get clean and sober, 
live in facilities for about a year, but then they would move back into their home neighborhoods. And a lot of them reach out to local churches, didn't feel like they fit in and often would relapse. And recidivism is the ongoing problem in jail and alcohol drug recovery. And so the city team folks had this burden to do more uh, to to see these guys, the, the language they would now use, not only become clean and sober guys and gals, but become disciple makers. Yeah. And so they, they would take the gospel back into their home. And if there wasn't a church uh, start, simple churches in their neighborhoods, well, the, the vice president heard David either the week before or week after. And he had the same kind of thoughts that Jerry and Shadake had. Shadake happened to be in Murfreesboro when David taught this lesson. And they were wanting to see the Susa, the first of those, because it was the closest, the first of those 19 people groups reached. Uh, they thought maybe David could help them. And so this was in 2002, I think. Uh, and they reached out to David. He went to Sierra Leone, coached them on some early starts. And then they started laying the groundwork for that training that he did in 2005. Um, city team started reaching out to David, seeing if he would come in and, and coach them. And eventually they hired him. But he had a caveat he would work for them and train them if they would start an international church planting division. Hmm. Well, you know, uh, a drug and alcohol rehab, even a, a fairly large one, starting international church planting division was just viewed as crazy from the outside world. Yeah. Uh, but the, the thing that David realized is a lot of times with people that have little or no experience, you don't have to do a lot of deconstructing. Right. You can start building. And he had met Jerry and Shadake, and they formed a relationship. And so this idea surfaced that maybe this West Africa team could work with City Team. And the final command board voted unanimously to gift the West Africa team to city team. And so Jerry and Shadake and Yunusa became city team employees. Hmm. And so even though that first training that happened in March of 2005 was funded and directed by final command, the, the work that started there was gifted to city team because they had more infrastructure. Final command was a, newly formed ministry. They were struggling to be able to do fundraising. Mm. Uh, but eventually I became involved as a board member with Final Command and in 2011 started working with, with Final Command and have for the last 10 years. But that training in Sierra Leone was the first one in movements that the, the disciple making movement kind of thinking uh, in 2000, early in 2005, and then later that year, through a, another member of city team who had strong connections in Ethiopia and Kenya, there was this second 
training that happened that started the work that you're a part that you were a part of with with Isla yeah. and Aichi and some of those guys in East Africa. So the West Africa and the East Africa movement started uh, fairly close together time wise, but in two different parts of the continent. And they developed uh, somewhat independent of one another for a, a season. But then there was a lot of partnering and coalescing because each area had its own unique strengths. And uh, with the affiliation with City Team, they became much more aware of one another and what God was doing. And those stories began to go back and forth. And you had a lot of cross-pollination. And one of the beautiful things about movements anywhere globally is God uses them to break down a lot of the barriers, a lot of the silos that disconnect and isolate ministries and denominations and a lot of those kinds of affiliations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's early, but I'm beginning to be excited about some of the coalescing that we're starting to see in the U.S. Yeah. That, are, that are crossing, bridging a lot of those divides. Man, I was going to say that same thing. It's one of the beautiful things about just the expansion, the rapid multiplication the, uh, comes a unique partnership, even from organizations that in many ways you look at movements and it seems like it's almost like uh, organizations stacked on organizations that partner in various ways. And, and it's a beautiful picture and we're starting the year. Exactly right. Like uh, Casey underground, I mean, we get to be a part of a lot of stories around the country of people beginning to step in similar things. Uh, I mean, we've had, uh, so we're about a, over a year into this podcast and probably a lot of people have heard a lot of stories from a lot of people and it's happening. There's, there's early momentum in a lot of different places and we come from different theological backgrounds, different areas in the country, different mindsets. But there, there is something about just seeing God do ma- amazing things and the desire for amazing things that Absolutely. breaks down some of, the, some of the walls that we've created over the years. So beautiful. Um, okay, so question for you. <clears throat> if you just give a snapshot right now of uh, let's, let's focus on Africa, if, a snapshot in Africa of some of the movements that are happening. I don't know if it's snapshot means if numbers or stories or whatever, but just like an overall, this is what God's doing up and down Africa. We'd love to, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. There's a people group in the Sahara desert region. Uh, most of our teams are focused on the, the geographic region called the Sahel, which is just South. It's the barely habitable region just South of the Sahara desert. Uh, A lot of people don't know, you know, Afghanistan, and and rightly so, there's a lot of concern over what the Taliban's going to do with their recent control of that nation, Uh, and much concern about the, you know, the the damage that will be done to the church that's growing and multiplying there. Uh, But that region, the Sahel in, in Africa, you have one of the strongest least reached regions in the world in North Africa. Mm -hmm. And then you have in this band across the central part of Africa, uh, 
200 million evangelical believers, the strongest church globally uh, in sub-Saharan Africa. And right in that band in between is where most of the terrorist Mm. uh, activities on Christians have been happening. And a lot of it is in northern Nigeria, just for sake of a specific place. But a lot of those countries, you have a, a Christian majority in the south and a Muslim majority in the north. And so there, there's always these these lines of fighting that are happening. Well, I, I won't name the group because of security issues. The, the group that has rapidly and uh, powerfully come to faith, uh, they've they've been into caravanning for a long, long time, hundreds, if not thousands of years of warlike people, very resistant to Christianity, uh, many a part of terrorist networks. Uh, they've worked with a number of the leaders of, you know, different nations in Africa. Uh, in, in one of those places, and remarkably, a, a guy who he was in prison, uh, drugs and alcohol, uh, met a Christian there, came to faith in Jesus, got out. He was from this people group that there were only a handful of known believers among them globally. And uh, one of them was a pastor of a church there in the city where this prison was. So he heard about him. He went to visit. And thankfully, this guy had recently gone through a training in DMM. And he realized that the best chance for their people group, this guy was one of four or five known believers from this people group. He, he was pastoring a church that was from other people groups mm. that were coming through the city, living there uh, from su- southern, uh, the sub-Saharan area. Uh, he coached him in going back to his home village and starting discovery groups with his own family. And the transformation in his life through his faith was so great that it, it really shocked his family. Yeah. And they wanted to know more about it. So he started discovery groups, uh, his family, many of them came to faith together. One of his brothers was very powerfully connected politically in that region, he came to faith and he's been a driving force in this people group uh, coming to to know Jesus. And so a couple of years ago, we had a gathering, maybe it's been less than that, uh, just before COVID, uh, a gathering in uh, one of these nations. And there were 16 strong believers from this people group who were there singing songs that they had written, Mm. celebrating Jesus and professing they they would die for their faith if that's what it took. And this is one of the last of those 19 people groups that Jerry and Shadake and Yudusa and Claude were praying that God would use uh, to, to see movements starting. Um, 
there are more than a thousand new believers among this people group who've come to faith in, in about a two year time period from when the first believers started out of this. And, uh, it's a people group that basically, you know, their, their philosophy was anyone who comes to faith and, you know, who, who leaves Islam will, will not live to see another day. Uh, so radically resistant to the gospel. Uh, but God's brought breakthrough and, and we celebrate what he's doing, uh, among the people there. Amen. Man, it's so, so good. I'm, I'm so encouraged every time I get to talk to people who are seeing the things that you're describing in a, and for years I've been, uh, just burdened with a holy jealousy <laughs> to see the same thing. Right. And, in our cities and in our country. And, and so we, I, I didn't tell you much about KC underground, but essentially we're an organization that's, that's one part missions organization. That's really, I mean, we're focused on a city and we're there to support missionaries and micro churches that are in their everyday spaces, right. To see the, the gospel planted. And, um, but the other side of it is we're essentially the, the fruit that has emerged out of that. We want to support and uh, fan the flame of and encourage. So uh, as we're seeing new microchurches emerge in, in various subsections of the city, right? From right, jails right. to coffee shops, to neighborhoods, to baseball teams, to rodeos, to high schools, you know, like as we're seeing these pop up where we're learning a lot, but right. we're learning what we're learning directly comes from the book of Acts and yes. from the stories that you're talking about. And there's a simplicity to it. There's a messiness to it. There's a, there's just a, a life to it that is different. And, and, and one microchurch that emerges from new disciple making and new discovery groups is more new believers than I saw in a decade of traditional pastoral ministry that we were a part yeah. of. Yeah. And, and so it's, 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 it's worth it <laughs> to, Absolutely. to wade, to wade through the messiness. And so we're excited about what God is doing. Um, obviously there's, there's issues that come up, but man, we're excited about the things that God is up to. And so with that, this is the last question for you. We often just ask our, our, our guests, uh, to, if, if the Lord would have anything, uh, for you to say to us, like we want to be all ears of like, it's, it's an encouragement, um, if it's, you know, a word that God has kind of put on your heart or mind as you think through movements here in the States and what that looks like for us, I'm kind of rambling to let you uh, think and, and listen. So, uh, so yeah, we want to give an opportunity just to, to hear from you on that. And again, as, as you are thinking, um, I just want to tell everyone else that again, starting next week, you're going to hear that introduction uh, podcast from actually on the field where at, at that point we recorded the first pot. It was actually the last podcast, but you'll hear it first uh, sitting in Nairobi kind of after some of the experiences we had. And then you'll hear a series of testimonies from um, local Kenyans who are engaged in some of the unreached people group teams throughout uh different parts of Kenya. I'm being, I'm being vague and again, for security reasons. So, okay. I've rambled, John, what you got for us? The, the thing that I would say, and it's it said over and over, uh, abundant praying mm. is foundational yep. for movements. And it's not just praying more or longer prayers. It's praying uh, 
qualitatively mm. strategic prayers mm. uh, that are focused on multiplication, that are focused on God's heartbeat to see our neighborhoods reached. Uh, there, there's a list of 15 things that Shadanke prays daily. Mm. Uh, and I, I have that list. I'd be happy to share it with you if you want to make it available to your folks. Uh, but you just get to see into the heart of somebody who spends hours every morning praying for breakthrough. And those are the kinds of things that I think have to shift if we're going to see movements here in the U.S. and other parts of the global north is uh, we're going to have to pray uh, bigger prayers, uh, deeper prayers, uh, and rallying other people to intercede with us for breakthrough because movements come from God. It's not our strength. It's not our money. It's not our ability. Um, and, and I think some of the the weaknesses we see in the Global North Church come out of the fact that we've built things by our own strength, not by the strength of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's why they have their deficiencies. Uh, but intercession is how we tap into kingdom power. Uh, it's it. You know, the one thing Jesus is doing on an ongoing basis for us is ever lives to intercede for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a work that we need to partner with him. We need to be in mission, on mission with Jesus of interceding for kingdom breakthroughs here in, in the U.S. Amen. Oh, that can't be overstated. It cannot be overstated. It's probably the biggest thing that we've learned in the last couple of years of just like what does extraordinary prayer look like for us and continuing to to take us deeper <laughs> into, yes. yeah. into that. It, uh, oh, man, it's it's not a coincidence why every time you ask. So I, it was actually Isla. We asked Isla, same question we just asked you. And he said, pray, 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 pray. Because these these are these are stories that are not predicated on the giftings of the people, but it's predicated on the move of God. And so it's so beautiful to hear the people who are actually on the ground to, if you could point to someone and say, Hey, this person is, you know, look at the the results of their quote unquote, their ministry. These are the people that you'd look to. And they're the ones who are saying, just, you got to pray, 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 pray. So it's, it's beautiful. And uh, one last practical suggestion in that is, Schedule some time in your prayer time when you just listen. Believe that God, through his spirit, will he'll speak to you. He'll impress you. He will will call you to his heart in some way. And so just like when. You know, David said those words that I thought were ridiculous, but Shadake says, yes, my brother, that's what we need from you. And that verse at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be sure. You know, I'd read it, but why that came then, I think that was the spirit of God saying, reminding me of what I needed to hear at that specific moment. 
And when those streams come together, when we hear from the Lord, we have a confidence, we have a boldness that we are, we're missing when we're operating by our own strength. Amen. Uh, and, and God's passion for Kansas City or Murfreesboro or Nashville or wherever, God knows those places better than we do. And as we begin to align ourselves with his heartbeat for them, I think we're going to hear more and we're going to know more clearly. And, and, and then we'll have a boldness and a confidence that will carry us through the difficult times. Mm. Amen. John, thanks so much for joining us, taking time to, 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 drop some wisdom bombs on us in Kansas city. So uh, for everyone that's listening, just want to again, encourage you guys to step in these next few weeks to hear some of the stories from the mission field in Africa. Uh, again, guys, these are the people who we're learning from. Like we want to approach our neighborhoods and our networks in the same way that we hear these stories globally. So uh, John, you're awesome. Appreciate the time. And we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the underground podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.